Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Ingles off a Gobert pick. Double team. Rudy rolls hard to the basket. He dunked it. Oh, my. Chris Dunn is on the wrong side of that one. Rudy Gobert with a hammer 100 to 96. Defensively, as aggressive as they were, you know, you you just have to get off the ball quickly and trust your teammates. And as the game progressed, I thought Rudy got more and more comfortable rolling, and we were able to find him, particularly Joe. Joe had a terrific game. There's Quint Snyder after the Jazz beat the Chicago Bulls 102 to 98. It was far from a perfect performance. They were in a bit of a hole early in the third quarter, played well. Looked like they'd taken control of the game and gave up an 11-2 run. It was tied in the fourth quarter. I know you Jazz fans were sweating, but PK, what did Magic Johnson call it? Winning time? Winning time? Winning time. The Jazz did well in winning time. Defended for the last 19 seconds and got the win. Got out of there with a W. I was screaming so loud. Listen to my voice, man. It's hoarse right now. (laughs) It's just you going nuts during the Jazz game? Unbelievable game. The Vault. That's my new nickname for... Rodeo Bear, the vault, and that basket is like a vault, and you can't get in. Armed security, because he was sensational. And anybody who tried to challenge him, it's just ridiculous. It is a complete and total wasted possession if you try to challenge him. If he doesn't make the All-Star team this year, I'm boycotting the All-Star game, which I never watch anyway. (laughs) Well, that's a bold move. I'm going to give up the thing I never do anyway. I gave it up anyways. You know what? If he doesn't, I'm not going. If he doesn't go to the All Star game, I'm not going down those uh, double black diamond runs. How about that? Take that, Snowbird. But those single blacks, though, come on. Well, maybe. We'll have to see. The bench was really good, I thought. I thought in the third quarter, the Jazz, uh, after a slow start, were getting it together, and they had to go to the bench, and the game was still kind of even. And the bench helped them uh, pull away and build a lead. I don't know that I want to single out one guy. I thought everybody who came off the bench gave them something. Oh, I'll single out one guy. It was absolutely Tony Bradley. Oh, you're going to go Bradley. Okay. Niang makes shots. That's what he's in. He's in the league to make shots, and and he made shots. Tony Bradley played the best game that he's ever played in the NBA. Now, I realize the bar is low, but nevertheless, he played the best game that he's ever played in the NBA. You know, uh, it's interesting you say that. Six points, seven rebounds. Uh, He only committed one foul. That's been a problem. We've seen him come in and commit, you know, three fouls in three minutes. Uh, he played 13 minutes, which isn't a big chunk of time. Now, the Jazz are very big on guys getting better. You know, you continue and improve. Quinn Snyder, you ask him about something, and he'll two things he always does. You'll ask a question about offense, he'll turn it to defense, and you ask him a question about the way they, you know, what happened. He says, yeah, that happened, and we have to keep getting better. Yes, this happened, and we have to keep improving. So I'm sure he wants Bradley to keep improving, but if he could sign off on six points, seven rebounds, an assist, and two block shots, would he just take that every night for the rest of the year? There'd be no improvement, which he clearly values, but that was a strong performance by Bradley. Yes, it was. All right, Jazz, get the Bulls. And, uh, you know, PK, there was a time when we used to talk about it was more uh, – maybe three, four years ago when they were just starting to win again after the rebuild. We were talking about 
get to 500 and stay there. Then get five games over 500 and stay there. Now, how quick can you get to 10 games over? So they've gotten to 10 games over 500 now. They're 22 and 12 with that win. How quickly can they get to 15? And if you look at the schedule, there's greedy Jazz fans saying, well, why not five games from now? Those are individually, they're all winnable. Now, maybe you don't expect a long winning streak when they've already been hot for a while, but uh, it'll be interesting to see now that they're 10 over. Uh, a, can they stay there? Will they better with this schedule? And how quickly then can they get to 15 over? Yeah, I don't think it's greedy. I think it's realistic. More on the Jazz, the Bulls, and the Jazz hot streak with David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz. He's going to join us at 7.30 right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NBA. I couldn't tell you. Uh, it'll probably be one of those moments where, just like when it came to my cause decision, I woke up and I'll just know. I'm not trying to like just say something, just say something. Out. That's my honest like answer. I'll probably have to wake up one day and be like, all right, Griff, Trajan, coach, training stuff, I'm ready. Yeah, let me go. Zion Williamson being a little vague there on now he's practicing now, so that's it's a step on the way to the. I don't know, can it be a comeback? Uh, he didn't play. On his way to being ready to play in the NBA, he'll know. He'll just know, PK. Uh, I'd like to see him out there and see what he could do. Pelicans would like to see him out there, too. I'm quite sure about that. The uh, NBA games last night, if you're looking for a couple scores that jump out at you, some of the better teams squaring off, probably one of the better games is actually in the East, where the Miami Heat... Man, Pat Riley flashing back to the 90s in the uh, the Knicks, an 84-76 win over the Raptors. 84-76, who plays 84-76 games? It changed the rules. That's not supposed to happen anymore. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Oklahoma City, the Thunder have it going on after a bad start. They broke from the gate 6-11. They weren't very good at all, but they have won eight of their last nine. 13-4 over the last 17 games. A really strong stretch of basketball from the Thunder. They add to it with a 109-103 win over the Spurs as they keep it going. Should we stop referring to the top six in the West? Are the Thunder going to make it the top seven? Well, I don't know that the eighth place team is going to get over 500, so I guess you could. All right, coming up tonight, big games if you're looking for them. Uh, the Jazz are off tonight. They're back at it Saturday in Orlando. So if you're looking for some hoops tonight, uh, Sixers and Rockets, Pelicans and Lakers. That's the doubleheader on ESPN. Sixers and Rockets, the early game, Pelicans and Lakers at 8.30. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Bay's got the rebound, and the white flag has been risen by Oregon. And once again, Boulder, Colorado is a no-fly zone for the Oregon Ducks as they're 0-9 in Boulder. And the Buffaloes knock off the number four ranked team in the country, 74-65 to here in Boulder. How about that win, Buff Nation? <laughs> oh, you got to talk like this, PK, or it's not wow. basketball. It was a nice win to start the conference. I get that. Colorado improving to 12-2 and two on the year. 1-0 in conference for them as they, uh, as they get it going. And the toughest road trip. I saw one of the uh, Pac-12 riders writing that. The toughest road trip, the mountain zone, which I guess just having to get on a plane and play at altitude. You got some built-in stuff there. And then uh, Utah and Colorado both defend their home courts as the Utes beat Oregon State 81-69. Timmy Allen playing every minute of that game and getting 25 points and 10 rebounds. Huge stat line in a college game. That is huge. Tim Allen. I'm, I'm thinking Tim Allen's a nice player. 
The Utes, they'll trade opponents now. The Utes will get Oregon, 3 o'clock, Pac-12 Network, Saturday afternoon. See if the Utes can uh, double down on that home win to open things up. Also this weekend, BYU opening West Coast Conference play. They got Loyola Marymount, 7 o'clock on BYU TV. And the big showdown in Logan, Utah State, hosting undefeated San Diego State, one of the last two unbeatens in the country. That's at 8 o'clock tomorrow night on the CBS Sports Network. Plenty of good college hoops, 3, 7, and 8. Plus, the Jazz are playing tomorrow at 5, so that's basketball from 3 until 10. Lock it down. Grab that remote. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. All right, more college uh, football. A couple of bowl games. 21st ranked Cincinnati destroying Boston College 38-6. And Tennessee down, down big. Needed two scores in the final five minutes, and they go touchdown, onside kick, touchdown. Nothing fancy about that onside kick. It didn't take a big hop. They didn't have some trick play with guys blowing guys up and another guy swooping in. He's kind of dinked it over there and ran and fell on it. Good comeback for Tennessee. Team BYU beat early in the year, and Tennessee picking up that win and finishing 8-5. and five. I would not have bet on Tennessee at 8-5 and five when they walked off the field after that BYU loss. Well, fortunately, I did, and I won a million dollars. Sweet! <laughs> PK's rolling in it. Breakfast is on PK. Today, Mountain West Conference, Nevada and Ohio playing in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, 1 o'clock on ESPN. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Urban Meyer candidate. Right now, we're just focusing on people with NFL experience. So, what's going to happen in Dallas? It took the Cowboys forever. They finally decided to part ways with Jason Garrett. His nine-year run is over. Second in wins only to Tom Landry, but only three playoff berths in nine years. So, he's out. And they're focusing on people with, with NFL experience, so not urban. Not, not right away. They didn't actually say no. Oh, that was Cleveland Browns owner Jimmy Haslam on that one. That was Haslam? Yes. Oh, I thought that was uh, not Jerry's Jerry. son. Jerry hasn't oh. spoken well, it yet. wasn't Jerry. I knew it wasn't Jerry. Was Steven hasn't spoken either. So Urban's not going, I don't think Urban's an NFL fit. I know he gets linked to all these jobs, but it doesn't seem I like think he's a great NFL fit. And why is that? Because in the NFL, nobody cares what you do with your players, and the player's character is up to them, not the head coach. So they could have 35 guys who are slapped with paternity suits and nobody bats an eyelash. In college, it's a bad look. And then on and on for these things that they do. And in the pros, you can do just about anything. You literally can be arrested for DUI on a Friday and play Sunday. Okay, so on that note, yes, I would agree with that. But he's such the disciplinarian, my way or the highway guy, and would the pros rebel against that? Not if they win. The winners are playing this weekend. They've sent most of the league home, but the playoffs begin here, four games. Saturday, the Bills and the Texans. The Bills have put together a nice season, mostly with their defense, their offense just being good enough, adequate. Uh, They've ridden their defense. They only have one win over a team with a winning record this year, and that was Jacksonville before they made the quarterback switch, which turned their season around. So you got any faith on the Bills and their ability to win in Houston? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Really? Yeah, why not? (laughs) Because they haven't beaten teams with winning records this year, and Houston's got a winning record. Who's Houston, though? 
Well, there is that. It's not like the Texans have a long string of uh, massive playoff success. J.J. Watt is back. J.J. Watt will be back, yes. We don't know to what degree, but going to be in uniform, going to try and going to try and go. That's a Saturday afternoon game. Saturday in primetime, the Titans and the Patriots. In New England, 12-4. They've got the home field advantage, but this is a team that started 8-0. Not exactly peaking. Finishing 4-4, four four, lost three of the last five, and blew that game to the Dolphins when they could have had a bye right at the end. And you got Tennessee who changed quarterbacks and won seven of the last ten games after a bad start. They're coming in as a nine-win wildcard team, but see if they can take down the Patriots Saturday night. Patriots are favored by five and Houston by three. So the AFC on Saturday and then the NFC on Sunday. The Vikings and the Saints. Have the Vikings got any hope on the road in the Superdome or Houdat Nation and Drew Brees flinging it? Good luck with that. Yeah, I would certainly favor the Saints. I think the, the Vikings can make it a competitive game, though. The Vikings go in as seven and a half point underdogs. That's the biggest point spread this weekend. Vegas has the Saints favored by seven and a half. And the closest game of the weekend is the last one. Seattle going to Philadelphia as a wildcard team, but with the better record. Seattle is 11 and five. The Eagles are nine and seven. Seattle favored by a point and a half on the road in that one. Also, Hall of Fame class 2020 announced. Uh, you got any favorites here, PK? Troy Palomalu is uh, eligible. Reggie Wayne, Edgar James, John Lynch, Richard Seymour. Any of these names jumping out at you? Somebody's a slam dunk uh, Hall of Famer? Yeah, what was the first one again? Troy Palomalu. Yeah, I think him and Lynch. All right, that is what is going on. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. Call 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, David Locke going to join us 7.30. So he's about 15 minutes away. And we'll talk more about the Jazz, the win over the Bulls, the favorable schedule, the improved play of the bench. And is Tony Bradley now the man going forward as he won that battle? Or is Quinn still analyzing who the backup ought to be? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 of the zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. We're talking about Clarkson being the spark that has now answered some of these problems. Sparkson. Jordan Sparkson came up with a great nickname. I did on accident. People aren't loving your nickname. So First far, of all, Tony. I did not give him that nickname. You did. No, nah, you said it, and I just formulated it for you. Sparkson. Yeah. I said it. You came up with it. No. Like, you, you created no, you it, did. and I presented it. We're in this together. I, You're stocked, and I'm alone. No. You pass, I score. No. That's how it goes. No, somebody deflected it. You caught it and laid it in, and now you want to give me an assist. You don't want an assist? Not on this one. It's a good nickname that you came up with. No. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David Locke coming up in a few minutes here. The Jazz coming off a win over the Chicago Bulls. And PK, that win didn't really look like some of the other wins in this uh, in this stretch of games for the Jazz, they've ridden enormous games from Donovan Mitchell. They've ridden uh, earlier in the year. They were riding some outrageous shooting from Bogdanovich. Joe Ingles has had hot streaks, but that was a different game. Nobody had twenty points in that game. It wasn't like anybody really went off. They ham and egged it. 
Rudy dominated defensively. They got help from the bench. It, it looked a little different than other Jazz wins, which I guess is good. You want to win as many, be able to win as many different ways as you can. I thought it looked beautiful. That's why I was screaming. That's when my voice is basically gone. I don't know if I can last the whole four hours today. But when you put on that microphone, I'm ready to go. And when the Jazz, they put on that uniform, they were ready to go. They gutted it out. They did what they needed to do, and that's what matters the most. They did do what they needed to do. It was uh, it was a roller coaster ride going through that, but uh, I think the fact that the bench came in late in the third quarter and helped them push that lead up there. It's easy to dismiss the Bulls. It's really easy to do. Uh, they haven't been good for a while. They're not good now. I don't know when they'll be good again. And so they just they've been they've been below average and going sideways for a while. But it's the NBA. Everybody's got a little bit of talent. Anybody can rise up. And the Clippers went in there a couple weeks ago and got beat. It could have happened to the Jazz, and I thought they were wobbling a little bit in the third quarter, and they had to go to the bench just about the time they started to look good, and there was no drop-off. There was no drop-off at all. The bench just kept it rolling. Yeah, but then you can argue that the Bulls bench really sucks worse than their starters suck. Yeah, I mean, that's when you're on a bad team and you can't get into the starting lineup and they're desperate for help. You know, on a, on a good team, sometimes they put good players on the bench just to balance things out. Uh, and Lou Williams with the Clippers is, you know, Manu Ginobili back in the day with the uh, Spurs. Uh, they, they'll do that just to balance it out. But when you're on a bad team, yeah, if you have somebody who's that good, you usually just put them in the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, look at Havlicek. If we're going to go back, let's look at Havlicek, okay? Hondo. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, and I think the Jazz also benefited from Levine, who wanted to play hero ball at the end of the game. Yeah, he hit the big three, and the place went nuts. And then the next time down, and I think the Jazz got a dunk from Gobert, just went inside, got a high percentage shot, and Rudy threw it down. And, man, Levine just pulled the trigger. He was like four or five yeah. feet behind the line. I didn't really think he was that open, but he's just like, oh, I hit the last one. I'm feeling it. And that's where... I don't know if it's really analytics or if it's just stats, but it's like, who shoots better than 50% on shots like that? You know, off the dribble, a step behind the line. Well, Havlicek did, yeah. Okay, so this is going to be the Hondo segment, that is it? Are you going to run through through all the greats? uh, Guys who I just know, like, I only know Casey Jones as a coach, right? Oh, Casey Jones back in the day. You should have seen him off the dribble going to his left. Okay. Well, you brought up Ginobili, and so I wanted to even go back further. Well, you did. You topped me. I went, I went back to the aughts, and there you are, right back to the 60s. You blew right past your guy, Michael Cooper. Coop! Coop! <laughs> I saw a thing that said the greatest athlete from every state. Oh, yeah? Yes, and who do you think they had from Utah? And what the, the only qualification was... The person, and it, it could be man or woman, had to be born in the state of Utah. So they could, so Steve Young's state. out because he was yeah. born in Connecticut. So Steve Young's yeah. out. Yeah. Had to be born, and it, and it could have been any sport. You know, well, any sport, and you only could have lived in the state for one day. You had to be born in the state. Merlin Olson. No. Uh, no. Well, we just brought up Cooper, so it's going to be Byron Scott. Bingo. Yeah, he was born in Ogden. Uh, okay. It was a Laker connection. Yeah, and go. without that Cooper hint, I would have never gotten that. I got you. I would have been 50 guesses deep. That's what made me think of it, yeah. Yeah. He was born in Ogden, for those of you who don't know. Right. But grew up in uh, L.A. and, of course, went to Arizona State. There's the tie. I was born in the summer of my 27th year. 
What? Coming home to a place I've never been before. There it is. <laughs> Utah, Rocky Mountain High. Uh, we had a lot of people tweeting at us about the Jazz victory. Uh, Steve says, the bench was great again. The Jazz keep winning close games, which they haven't done in years past. I haven't seen any numbers on that. Obviously, we remember some games more than others. I'm not sure. I, I couldn't quote you what their record was in games decided by five points or less, which obviously this one was. Yeah. I mean, growing up and watching the Celtics in the 60s, Hondo, the last five minutes of the game, he would take over. You found one thing, and you're just going to beat it into the ground, aren't you? That is, that is just beautiful. Hondo, come off the screen, man, and just good, tremendous body control. You should have seen him. Uh, I should have. I'm just I'm too young. <laughs> Darn the luck. <laughs> uh, more people uh, tw- more people tweeting at us this morning. Uh, <laughs> Wits Cavs tweets in, is PK doing voice work for ransom demands? <laughs> the voice is what it is. I mean, I can't deny it. It's a little rough today. Uh, Rob says Mitchell's been out of this world in the clutch lately. Tonight, late he had a few advised hero ball four shots of his own, but he eventually realized we had to go elsewhere for offense. I was glad they went back to Joe and Rudy in the high pick and roll. Boom! And then Rudy ends it on D, and he's got the uh, yeah, the biceps flexing uh, emoji there at the end. I thought Mitchell had one shot that was real questionable. There's no question about that. But, I mean, that's going to happen. You want guys to be aggressive, not tentative. So you can live with that. I thought Levine had like three right at the end. And he's thinking like, okay, I don't care. I could have had MJ on the floor in a Bulls uni. And he wasn't going to pass it. It just seemed like it was too much. And that pick and roll, it really wasn't. I don't know that I can define it as a pick and roll because it, it, usually, you know, you get close, they sense a pick. It seems like Gobert was rolling way early and Joe hadn't even gotten near the pick yet, but then rifles the pass. And I love that Gobert was the two-handed dunk. Go up as aggressive as you can, two-handed. So if you get fouled, that you're going to be able to still make an attempt at the basket. You're not going to get the ball knocked loose. That's what was exciting for me, is Gobert's aggressiveness with the two-handed trying to dunk rather than trying to be soft and lay it up. Yeah, when he flips it up there, you never know, and the ball sometimes will roll around. And Whereas with the dunk, I don't know what he shoots on dunks. I'm sure he's missed one at some point, but it seems like that's a 99% shot. And when he goes up with the two hands, he's, not going to, he's either going to get fouled and go to the line. Right. Or he's going to get the dunk. And occasionally he gets both. Uh, Dustin says, winning on the road is not easy, especially when the home team gets good second-half momentum. That was good grit by the Jazz, digging out of that deficit and getting the win. Yeah. I mean, the deficit, though, went away almost as quick as it got there. That was what was impressive. It's like that Quinn Snyder took a timeout, and the guy said, okay, enough of this. And boom, they went right back, and it was right down to a one- or two-possession game. It was as as can possibly be. And then it was not necessarily seesaw because the Jazz took the lead. Then it got a little tighter, and they were able to gut it out. Absolutely, you're winning anything in this league on the road. You take it because right now the record is only 500 on the road. They still have a lot of work to do on the road. I think they're nine and nine. They are. They are nine and nine. 
It'll be interesting to see if they can finish this trip with a winning record. All right, DJ and PK, it is time to bring in the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you, DJ? I'm great, but PK's voice happy, is wobbling. Happy Happy New Year. Oh, happy 2020 to you too, David. Uh, PK, mm-hmm. PK's voice is wobbling. He says he was screaming. Just the the the, uh, the tension, the passion at the end of that jazz game. It completely wrecked his voice. PK, use that. I thought, uh, he, was, I thought he was yelling at Kyle Whittingham for the youth performance. No, because his voice was good yesterday. So, oh, okay. It, it, it happened. We know what happened in the last 24 hours. Uh, well, all right, David. Sorry, sorry, PK. Thank you for your concern. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know, right? Uh, all right, let's start. There's several storylines to follow with the Jazz here. One, obviously the bench was uh, not playing well early in the year. They were giving up runs routinely, and they made a bunch of changes. Uh, Niang seems to be getting more minutes. Obviously, they added Clarkson, and obviously they've made the change at backup center. Is that still a work in progress and Quinn is still deciding, or do you think he's made the switch in his mind and this is the way it's going to go and Ed's going to be the third-string guy here for a while and Tony Bradley's uh, going to keep that spot? Well, I mean, I think he's showing uh, Tony that he has some rope. I mean, Tony hasn't played – Tony played terrifically last night. Um but he hadn't played particularly well prior. But I think you have to understand with Tony that coming into the season, he played 65 NBA minutes, right? Um, he played 15 minutes a game in college, so that's, what, about 500 minutes. Um, and then he would played about 1,200 G League minutes over the last two years. Uh, so he's really still a work in progress. He's 21 years old, uh, and there's just a ton for him to learn. Uh, and I think that Quinn's understanding of that as, as he's rolled him out here, understanding there's going to be good and bad um, that goes with it. Last night was the good. He was terrific. He adjusted well in the third quarter, what the Bulls were doing defensively. He took advantage rolling to the rim. He rim defended very well. The Jazz were incredible at the rim last night. The Bulls shot 41% at the rim last night. Uh, and so I think, you know, to uh, uh, the way you phrased it, I'm not trying to be a nitpicker, but if like I say, well, it's permanent, then that shows a lack of flexibility on Quinn, which he's shown the exact opposite to. So it's not permanent. Like if Tony doesn't play well, Ed Davis will get to play again. Um, but I think Tony will have a, a, a ample opportunity to to earn the spot permanently. Okay. Whether it's permanent remains to be seen. But how legit is Tony Bradley as an NBA player? I don't know yet. Um, you know, again, 65 NBA minutes, 500 college minutes and 1200 G league minutes. That's just not enough sample size. Um, and now he's played more than 65, but that was last year. Um, I just don't know yet. Um, you know, that player, that style of player has, uh, the game has changed a little bit away from, um, he's going to have to become a really good rim defender, um, and a really elite rebounder. Um, and if he can do those two things, then he'll be okay. So Jordan Clarkson coming in and, I was at the Portland game as a fan, which I rarely do, but sitting among the people, you could hear conversations and people talking about him, people just so excited about him. He was 4-for-12 that night, 
And nobody was complaining about his shot selection. People were whooping it up. It just his aggressiveness. Now the next two games, he comes out with 19 and 20 points. I'm like, wow, is Jordan Clarkson going to you know turn into Lou Lou Williams here or something? What's going on? The Bulls game, you know, he comes back to earth a little bit. Uh, 12 points. What do you think his role is in the long term? Because I, I mean, I think your answer can be the same thing you just said on Tony Bradley. It's a small sample size. Four games with the Jazz uh, isn't much. Do you, where do you think this is headed? Well, I think Lou Williams is probably the right analogy um, there. I think uh, Derek Rose for the Bull, for the Pistons is the right analogy. He's, you know, going to be one of the lead bench scorers in the league. Um, and, I, you know, I think actually, you know, Lou, I think there's some areas where Jordan might actually, you know, he's a little bigger and longer than Lou. I'm not sure he's the same defensive liability. Probably can't score at quite at the same rate. Um, as Lou can, but Lou's not always been the most efficient player. So uh, I I think Jordan Clarkson is in that ilk, and he comes off the bench and he's firing and unabashed, and that's but it's changed the entire complexion of who we are. It's you know we're playing so much harder as a group. Um, I think it's no you know it's noticeably different the way the way the guys are. The, the juice that they play with when he's on the floor, he, he's picked up the tempo a little bit. Um, but you're, I mean, you're starting last night in the Yanks plus 19, Bradley's plus eight, Moody's plus five, and Clarkson's plus four. We lose this game two weeks ago because those numbers are all negative. Um, and that's, that's just a huge change to who the Jazz are. And thus far, Jordan Clarkson is, is at the forefront of it. But, but as you said, it's this kind of multiple things. Like, how did Quinn Snyder know that George Niang at the four was going to work? And it certainly has. And, and Tony Bradley stepping in for Ed Davidson. Emmanuel Moody has actually been the most consistent player of the group. So, uh, I, you know, I think that Clarkson is, is exactly what you, how you characterize him, David. I think you've got a good gr- uh, grasp on it. He's he's going to come in firing, and um, he, he's got characteristics that just make him terrific for the role. I mean, he's 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 not bashful. He gets to the rim. Um, he does a lot of things really really well, and he's and he's big. He's a little bigger than I thought he was in person. Um, he's pretty long, and he covers some ground. So if he can fundamentally, you know, work on some defensive aspects, I think he'll be even better. How much better is Rudy Gobert right now than at any time in his NBA career? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't, that's, a, that's a really interesting question. Uh, is he better than any other time in his NBA career? Uh, well, I think first he's playing with a spread floor, which he's never had before, which allows him to do some things offensively. Um, I, I actually think – I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Like, I feel like Rudy is so obsessed with greatness – and that's what's driven him from being the 27th pick to being the best defense player in the world. And also, I think, you know, he wants to be an elite offensive player. But I feel like, the, you know, every now and then Rudy kind of stretches out beyond where he's going to be effective. And then he works his way back into what makes him effective. Last night was interesting because the way the Bulls play, Rudy couldn't have an impact on the game screening. Like, that was not – the Bulls aren't going to allow that. They're bringing two guys to the ball. I think the Jazz had, like, two screen assists the entire night. Um, and so Rudy's got to find other ways to impact. the. And so late in the game, those roles were those roles were fierce. Um, and just with, with such great um, kind of power to the rim. And so in that sense, I think, you know, th- that's something he's 
evolved with. Defensively, the one area where I think he's better, PK, is just the further out on the floor he goes, who's actually still comfortable. Um, and, and that's going to be, you know, that's going to be vital for the long term of his career as more and more stretch fives are playing in this league and people are playing five out and the driving lanes are open. Um, his multiple actions defensively still are what separates him from everyone else. His ability to impact the pick and roll and get back to alter the next shot. There was one play last night where he impacted three different shots or non-shots, shots that were going to be shots that then their Rudy says so they don't take him, or the actual shot that then Rudy impacts. He had three of them in a span of like eight seconds. It was it's pretty awesome. So his rebounding is up at a career best uh, over 14, 14.2 now, and he's come close to 13 at 12, 8, and 12, 9. So th- this is a step up, but rebounding's changing in the NBA. It's not where there's three or four big guys in there throwing elbows, battling the ball, wrestling for it anymore. There's a lot of times that everybody gets back on defense and they just kind of concede it. And they're like, we're going to stop the break. We're not even going to go for the offensive board. Now, there are stretches where you have to battle in a game. Is he really a better rebounder, or is it more tactics are changing, so it's just easier to grab more boards for him? Well, I also think, you know, without favors in for portions of the time on the floor, there's no, you know, Royce O'Neal's our second leading rebounder. So um, he's better at stealing rebounds from these other guys. So he gets one. No, I'm just kidding, but that's true, too. Last night he got Boyana. One of was pretty funny. Boyana looked at him like, dude, come on. Um, and your point is accurate, David, that people are not offensive rebounding at very high rate in this league. The Jazz are actually like the third or fourth best defensive rebounding team. Um, and then I think the floor is just different because of no favors. So I, I don't know if he's a – what would define a better rebounder is exactly what you're saying. How many out-of-area rebounds is he mm-hmm. getting? How many contested rebounds is he getting? Um, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but he is taking advantage of the way this team is constructed to rebound more. Of the, excuse me, of the top six teams in the West, who do you think is most vulnerable to slip? Maybe no one. Um, I actually think Denver and Houston are about to both go on runs. So, I mean, I guess that's Dallas, but why? Luke is top five player in the NBA. Um, and so then that's the Lakers or Clippers due to health, and I don't think they're going to do that. I I was my dad texted me last night. Was like, "What do you need this year?" And uh, for wins, and I texted back like, "For what?" And he said, "Top four in the West." And I think that could be fifty-five, and I, and I think it could be number one seed fifty-five and number four seed fifty-three or fifty-four. Um, I I think it's going to be. I I think these six teams are just considerably better than anyone else, and. Denver or Dallas was if Dallas was going to slip, they were doing it last month and they didn't do it. They had a really hard December schedule and they lost Luca and they went nine and five. So there's nothing illegitimate about that team. They're one of the great offensive teams we've ever seen in the NBA. Um, and they're totally hundred percent legit. The Lakers and Clippers are legit. Houston just got Eric Gordon back. It feels like Westbrook and Harden are figuring each other out. Um, and they're about to go. I think they're about to go on runs and then Denver, has done actually a lot of what Utah's done, which is Denver has adjusted their bench, and Malik Beasley's not playing anymore, and Torrey Craig's not playing anymore, and they've brought in Michael Porter Jr., and they're playing different guys, and they're, they've gotten a huge spark. So I feel like Denver's about to go win 58 games. Uh, so I don't think anyone in the top six is going to blink, and I don't know how the Jazz, you know, I think the Jazz are going to have to get 55, 50, 55 wins to get a home court advantage. So that doesn't surprise me. I think you're spot on. I think the same thing you just said. I, 
I got a lot of faith in the top six to keep it going, barring some team getting leveled by injuries, which you know can always happen. I think the thing that factors into this is that the middle of the West, and really last year even the bottom of the West, with the exception of the Suns, was surprisingly good in the first half of the season. But here in the first half of the season, the bottom of the West has been a bunch of easy wins. The middle of the West, now Oklahoma City's getting it together here. They won eight out of nine. Uh, but you get below Oklahoma City, and it's just stunning. The West really, it's, it's been so good for so long, but it doesn't have the same quality of depth. And I think that's making it easier for these top six teams to pile up wins. Well, two things have happened. The top of the West is better than it's ever been, so that makes the bottom look less good. And then two, the East is not as bad. I think the East and the West are about the same this year. So, you know, where you used to be winning, I think Eastern Western Conference teams are winning somewhere in the range of 65% of their games against the East. And maybe at one point, I think it was as high as 70. It's now at 50-50. And so there's a few, there's a few losses missing. I think what gets really interesting on this is, you know, everyone's on the Lakers about what, how they manage LeBron, which I think is legitimate. And Anthony Davis has a tendency to take a little break during the year, every year. Um, and Kawhi Leonard and, you know, Paul George's health are, are big issues. And I, I'm not sure that there's the wiggle room for the Clippers and Lakers to do the kind of resting that everyone's talking about them doing. Or I don't even think resting is the right word. I mean, I think it's player management in the correct way, in, in, in an appropriate manner. But you, you go make a mistake with your player management right now, and you suddenly end up being the three seed instead of the one or the two seed. And if both of them make a mistake, then suddenly the three and the four. I mean, there's – there's a really decent chance that Denver or Houston could end up being the number one seed in the West. How much faith do you have in the Jazz' ability to beat every one of these bad teams, these sub-500 teams that are lined up in front of them? Because when you look at the top, the reason that the Lakers and the Bucks are doing what they're doing is they literally have not lost a single game to a bad team. And then you can click on some of these other teams that are a couple games back of them, and there's the difference. They've lost to Atlanta, or they've lost to Phoenix, or they've lost to somebody who's not an elite team. Do you think the Jazz can just steamroll through this stretch until they play the Pacers on January 20th? That has been the signature of a Quinn Snyder team over the last few years is that they win the games they're supposed to win. Um, I'm not sure what supposed to win is on the rest of this trip, though. Uh, I'll be curious to see now with Jonathan Isaac being hurt, maybe it changes. But when I took a quick scan of, uh, scan of 538, we were not favored in either of the next two, um, which a little bit is a statement that we just haven't actually been that good and our differential is not that impressive. So... It's. I think these next two games are actually a statement to where we are. Um, you know, if we go and grab the, if the Jazz go and grab the next two, then I think that's a pretty good indicator that they've made a significant step uh, into what the basketball team is compared to what it was before. Because if you trend out what they were this season, then they they are. I don't know that they're favored in either of the next two ball games. Um, Orlando's ten and seven at home and pretty decent. Um, and then New Orleans is rolling right now. So if you look at 538, and I don't think the Vegas lines are up yet, um, we were, as of yesterday, we were not favored in either of the next two games. So I tell you, they go on the road, and they'd normally go one and two or two and one on this trip, but they would have lost that Chicago game without the bench, and nobody really went off. So I'm thinking somewhere on this trip, Mitchell's going to have a game where he just can't miss. And somewhere on this trip, Bogdanovich is going to have a game where he just can't miss. So I'm wondering if the game they would normally botch on this trip, they already won. 
and now the games that they would have won earlier, despite the poor bench play, well, they're still gonna they're still gonna win because Boyan or Donovan is just gonna go off. I like that idea. I'll go with that. All right. Well, just remember to tell, drop that on uh, Booner in the third quarter when uh, you know Mitchell's got twenty two and is clearly on the way to thirty. David James said, <laughs> "See, um, there you, go. <laughs> you know, yeah, All right. I'll, you know." All right. We can do that for you. David, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. See you. All right. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now, Yak is trying to work his magic today. Uh, Joe Ingles usually joins us on Thursday, but it was game day. Often he would have moved to Wednesday, but we were off on the holiday. So will they have time before they, uh, they got travel and they got practice and they got all that stuff to wedge together? Is Yak going to be able to pull this off? Got two hours and 14 minutes to find out. Joe Ingles, TBD going forward if Yach can work his magic. Yach, make the magic happen. Working on it. All right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. We ran a poll question yesterday, started late in the show, got over 400 votes asking you to predict who was going to win. The Jazz were in Chicago, the Utes are hosting Oregon State. 56% of you went with the Jazz and the Utes. And 98% of you picked uh, the Jazz. Some of you went Jazz and Beavers, but Jazz and Utes was the most popular answer. And both teams won those games. And PK, as I was watching those games, I was thinking about the Utah and BYU football seasons. Because, you know, there's, it, you want to win them all, and when you don't, there's frustration. And certainly the fact that the Utes and Cougars both ended with a pair of losses and lost bowl games that both fan bases thought were winnable, because they were winnable, we thought. Just we were in as much as they were. Uh, you know, the considerable frustration with the back-to-back losses. But the power, while it's not that dramatic and it's not that it's not what's going to define you in the NBA playoffs, the ability to win the games you're supposed to win still matters. You know, in the Utes case, there's probably five teams in that conference right now that are on target for the NCAA tournament. So if you get one of the teams that isn't going to the tourney at home, that's probably, regardless of who you are in the league, that's probably you know, in the quarter of the games on your conference schedule that are the easiest. I don't know that Oregon State is that easy. Utah ended up winning comfortably, but you know, Oregon State came in with a pretty good record, which you can pad in the non-conference season. But that was a, was a nice win for the Utes, but it wasn't the toughest one. Obviously, the Bulls aren't one of the better teams in the NBA, but the Jazz still get it done in the final couple minutes and win. But there is the danger, and we know this from getting all riled up about the Utes at 11-1 and thinking, ah, what could they do in a playoff against LSU? And it turns out they can't beat Oregon and they can't beat Texas, and they weren't even close to beating either team. So how much do we want to get sucked into this, even though you got to win the games that they won last night? What's your point? So how excited should people be sitting here this morning that their teams won last night? I mean, you got to do it, and yet it, it is, these aren't the games that are going to ultimately define you. But you have to do it, and it's good that you did. 
Yeah, I don't know that you can always go big picture on every single game and what does this mean to the end result in March or for the Jazz in the playoffs. I don't know. I don't know that you can do that relative to football because football only has such a handful of games, two handfuls, and that's it. Whereas basketball, there's so many more games, even at the collegiate level. And obviously at the NBA level, there's basically almost to the point of triple the amount of games that you play. So I don't know that you can draw big picture conclusions in a basketball sense. The Laker game against the Clippers on Christmas night, I'm watching it with my family down in Arizona, right? And they go to Kawhi Leonard. The Clippers won the game. They have a nice comeback. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember this. This is good. I know where you're going. Yeah. This is good. And they and they ask him, you know, what does this mean? Basically, I'm paraphrasing the question. What does this mean, big picture? And I'm sitting there, and we've got uh, like six people on two couches. And before, as she's winding down the question, I say, it means absolutely nothing. And they ask Kawhi Leonard. And he says, it means absolutely nothing. <laughs> There's no and, L.A. City championship we're playing for. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that was such a yeah. great line. And I don't right. really think of him as Mr. Interview. But when he said that, I did kind of chuckle. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Well, he's a veteran guy, right? Yeah. He's been in the league a number two, of years. He's won two yeah. titles. He knows you don't yeah. win or lose the finals on, on Christmas night. Right. So I don't know in the basketball sense that you can draw those same conclusions I had somebody on Utah staff up in Seattle on the field seconds after the game tell me these are the kind of games that we haven't won in the years past. Because once they won that game in Seattle, it was basically, without having officially done it, clinching the South Division. Everybody knew it. That's why it was such a big deal that they got that game, right? Because you looked at the schedule going forward, and that was the first week of November, literally. I think it was like November 2nd or something. And so they still had, what, four games to go? And or three games to go? It was three, yeah, it was three to go. And the odds were at that point yeah. that USC was going to lose to Oregon that night, and then, then USC and Utah were both going to win out which meant if they dump right. the Washington game and lose that thing, they don't win the division. And if they do win it, then they do win the division, unless something crazy happened. And this between Utah and USC, there were seven more games to go, and nothing crazy happened. The other seven went exactly as you expected. Right. So in football, you still had 33% of the league season to go, but yet you can draw you know significant conclusions. I don't think you can do that in basketball. So I go with the Kawhi Leonard line of thinking, it doesn't really mean anything. It's nice. But there's no conclusions that you can draw from them. Yeah, I think the only conclusion you could have drawn, and even that would be a little dicey, but if you lose that game, it's a red flag. Now, it's not the end of the world because you can go through the Clippers schedule and they've got some bad losses. And who knows? You know, Kawhi's won a title in San Antonio, and he won it in Toronto, and I don't think any of us expected him to win Toronto. San Antonio wasn't as surprising. Uh they had to beat the Heat with LeBron, I guess, so it wasn't a lock either, but it wasn't that surprising. But the Toronto win was surprising. So he knows on Christmas, hey, if we lose a game, so what? But for the Jazz, it's like the West is so good, the bench has to be better. The bench is going to have to win some games for them at some point, and the Bulls aren't all that. But to watch the bench play a big role in winning a game on the road, when it could have gone the other way, it could have gotten away from them. It got away from the Clippers when the night they went into Chicago. So... 
still encouraging, and yet I don't want to overhype it. All right, we got to take a break. We're late to break. DJ and PK, Yach efforting Joe Ingles. No guarantees. It's crazy with the holidays and the road games and the airplane trips. Hopefully, we'll be able to track Joe down. Uh, and hopefully, we'll be able to do it in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll see how that plays out. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.